My 10 pounds I got to lose again. I realize every year I, I gain 10 and lose 8. And after 62 years, you're, you're 120 pounds too heavy. <laughs> Uh, there's something wrong with Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is, is, is just one of those days. Take your Bibles. What a blessing, man. I tell you what, it's, it's just strange. Y'all pray for me tomorrow. I got a funeral I got to preach. One of the strangest ones I've ever preached in my life. Uh, there's no obituary. <clears throat> the funeral home wants it short and sweet. Uh, the, the, the whole family is probably lost, except for maybe the son, one the, the, that asked me to do the funeral. Uh, I, I have no idea about her salvation, zero, none. I don't want to place her in hell, don't want to place her in heaven, so i got to find a medium there somewhere, I'm thinking about it. There's no information on her at all, zero. And uh, he told me, he said, preach as long as you want. I'm like, about what? Uh, so I, it's going to be the gospel, I already know what it's going to be, but it's, it's how to roll that thing in to where... Uh, I mean, I don't, I don't want to degrade her in, in front of her kids. Uh, yet I don't want to get miss the opportunity like they just had of witnessing to a bunch of people that need the gospel. And brother, we got something. We got something that this world does not have. All you have to do is listen to the news for about two minutes. Uh, I was listening to Fauci today, and I don't really care what goes on in the news. The Democrats, Republicans, Independents, they're all crazy. They're all crazy. But Fauci goes, uh, somebody asked him a question, and, and he said, so everybody that comes into the Americas or in, in an airport has to have a COVID check with Omicron or COVID within 24 hours of getting on the plane. Yes. He goes, well, what about the guys coming across the border down south? Well, that's different. Exactly how is that different? They're insane. They're insane. Now they got Roe versus Wade in front of the Supreme Court. And I listened to some of the arguments on Roe versus Wade. And not Roe versus Wade, just the Mississippi says, look, we want to be able to control what goes on in our country, in our state country, the country of Mississippi, and, and we think 15 weeks that life should be protected. I don't know. I think, I think you should never. Look, hey, if you're going to get pregnant, you ought to have the baby unless something comes up. I think that's where it starts right there. But they didn't ask me, so who really cares? Uh, it's insane. And you hear the Supreme Courts, and a lot of them says, you know, where, where is the viability? They're trying to figure out where that mark is. They're not going to figure that thing out. It goes back to God. And they're leaving him completely out of it. And you can't do that when you start leaving. I need some. There's not a single one up here. But I'll tell you what I do have. Sleeve. Sleeve. Amen, man. That'll work. I'll tell you what. Father, thank you for your blessings tonight. Thank you for letting us be in church. Lord, thank you for sanity in a Bible that we have in our hands. Uh, Lord, as, as I read this thing, it's, it's uh, just the, the sheer calmness of the men that go through this book uh, that you, you've left in this book. And, Lord, the, the things they had to go through, I just, what a blessing it is just to be able to read it. I thank you that uh, I get to sit down and read it. I thank you I still have eyes uh, that I can still read and ears that I can still hear, Lord. And it says, wherewithal shall the young man cleanse his ways by taking heed thereto, according to not just reading it, but taking heed to it. Now, Lord, thank you that you're still working in our hearts, especially, Lord, thank you for working in mine, that you still are doing something. And, Lord, uh, it might not be very long till we're uh, home with you, uh, Lord, but until then, Lord, help us to continue on. And Father, we'll praise you and honor you in Jesus' name. Amen. I bought a lot of stuff at the bedside. I went to the bedside today to buy something. They're selling coffins now. Discount coffins. Some of them are all dented on the top. I guess it really doesn't matter. To me, it wouldn't. I wouldn't care. Uh, I guess you'd get a body shop to pop the dents back out. Uh, I mean, I'm walking through this place, and I'm like, coffins? What is coffins doing here? I mean, brethren, this world is going, and people are buying them. Uh, 
they're going home. Could you imagine seeing somebody go down the road in a car? And where are you going to keep a coffin, by the way? If you, uh, I have no idea. Take your Bibles. <laughs> I'm going to shut up. Just get into this, man. Uh, I, I was reading my Bible and I come across a couple of verses, and the Lord kind of kind of set them on my heart. Go to uh, go to Ephesians, Ephesians five. I'm looking at the mysteries. We already looked at uh, the first one, which was. Uh, God manifests in the flesh, uh, and, and when you sit there and look at your Bible, man, no matter how you look at it, it's just a, it's just a great book. It says, uh, the mystery of godliness, God is manifest in the flesh, just find the spirit. So, God in the flesh. And the second one, the second mystery was the mystery of Christ and dwelling in the believer. And and really, as a believer, you need to realize that, that you are different than everybody on this planet. And if you're trying to be like everybody else on this planet, you're insane. You're going to be insane. You're going to be worse than insane because you have something dwelling in you that they don't have in you, and you're going to have to try to hide that. You cannot hide that. Now, you got the old man and the new man. We looked at that, and, and I got your fight. The fight's always there. But you cannot hide that. You know what you need to do is get on his side and just stay there and go along for the ride. The third one, the third one I want to look at is uh, right here. It's, it's Ephesians 5. Let me get there myself. I just started getting fired up today, man. I got a feeling them guys are going to kill me tomorrow at the funeral. So if they do, uh, y'all have to choose somebody else. Take over. I uh, don't really care who. <laughs> I mean, it's just, it's, it's insane. It's just insane. I, I cannot even believe the stuff you hear on the news anymore, what people are doing. guy was at a, at a, at a I guess, one of these places working, a quick tire place, and somebody stole the truck, and they classified. He was in the back of the truck, uh, doing something, maybe getting a spare out. I have no idea, but the guy drives, steals the truck. And then they say the guy who stole the truck is kidnapping him. Well, he didn't know he was in the back of the truck. I thought to kidnap somebody, you'd have to know that you were kidnapping him. He was just stealing the truck. Uh, and then they couldn't find the guy, and they got the guy got out of the truck. This place is insane, man. It's just insane. Uh, and people say, but again, there's 8 billion people on the face of the planet, and in 8 billion people, that, that isn't even the, the drop in the bucket. Yet, yet you talk to people and they'll say, hey, this has happened in my life or I know of it happening in, in lives around the people around me. What you need to do, brother, what we need to do is get in our minds who we are, what we are, where we're headed, who we're headed there with, and Lord, come and get us out of here and take us there quick. Uh, Ephesians 5. Go to verse 29. Ephesians 5, 29. He said, for, for no man ever yet hated his own flesh, but nourished and cherished it even as the Lord, the church. And that's us. I mean, nobody likes hurting, pain. Uh, that's why we got doctors. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bone. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and shall be joined unto his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. This is a great mystery. It is. Uh, for a marriage to even stay uh, the way, it, that's a mystery in itself. Uh, now a divorce is like the thing you want to have. Uh, the great, this is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let... Every one of you, uh, in particular, so love his wife, even uh, as himself, and the wife, see that she reverence her husband. Father, thank you again for tonight. Uh, thank you for the mysteries, Lord. Thank you that you chose, Lord, these things, and, and they're in our Bibles. Uh, Paul, Paul brought them out to show us these things, Lord, and that we're privileged to know them. Uh, Lord, the rest of this world has no idea about these things, and as Paul talks about them, Lord, we can go through our Bibles and find example after example after example of men and women in their lives, Lord, reflecting this and, and what the outcome was. Lord, help us to see that it's just not uh, something that is just said to pass 
through our ears and into our head and then just forgot about. But, Lord, it's something to be lived. Lord, again, thank you for letting us come to church tonight. A blessed now. We'll praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, Paul, Paul is sitting here talking about a mystery. He's, and, and your privilege, you say, well, I've heard this before. Uh, you ought to thank God you've heard it, and you ought to thank God that you believe it. Uh, there's people on this planet that believe nothing. They don't even have a clue what to believe. They don't, don't believe nothing. They're taught in schools that a baby's not a baby till, I, I, in my mind, I'm like, if I, if I go by their reasoning, then I should be up to like 18, 19 year old, be able to take them out. Because as long as, Esther, Esther, you're toast, man, as far as I'm concerned. If you're under my roof and I still got to feed you, then you're not, you're not supplying your own needs. I should be able to take you out until you get out of my house. That's their reasoning. Well, the baby, uh, until it takes its first breath. You take a baby with the first breath and lay it there, it's not going to live. You got, somebody's got to take care of that baby. So that's not the point where life starts. So you got to come up with that thing. It's where God said. You know, God has the craziest stuff in life that he does. I like the Old Testament says, though Noah, Daniel, or Job, he mentioned three guys in particular, and he did that for a reason. And I never understood why he did I knew these three guys were very unique men. I've read about them, know about them, and everything else. And I was reading this thing, I'm like, Lord... I now see it. Jonathan Edwards said this. I read it, I think, last time. The surest way to know our gold. Do you know what you're made of tonight? Do you really understand what you're made of? Or I'm made of? I, I have to look at my own self. I can't look at you. you got to look at each, each one of us. have to look at each other. You know, not each other. Yourself. A mirror really does it. Don't look at it too long. Get a mirror that only shows like from here up because from here down doesn't look good on a lot of us. But I'm telling you, you've got to look at yourself. Edward said this, an old, old preacher. The surest way to know our gold is to look upon it and examine it in God's furnace. You ever thought that God sometimes runs us through a furnace for a reason? There's a perfectly fine reason why he does that. Uh, where it, he tries it, that we may see what it is. You need to see your weaknesses. You need to see the places in your life where you fail. I need to see the same thing. I could, I could just forget about everybody in here and preach this right to me. I need to know where I fail in life so that I can correct those places. There's a purpose for that thing. You say, what is that purpose? I'll get to it maybe next month sometime. If we have a mind... To know whether a building stands strong or not, we must look upon it when the wind blows. If we would, would know whether a staff be strong or rotten, a rotten broken reed, we must observe it when it's leaned upon and weight is borne upon it. If we would weigh ourselves justly, we must weigh ourselves in God's scales that he may make us, make use of us, uh, that God, God's scales that he makes use of of to weigh us. You got to look at yourself in God's eyes. You cannot look at yourself in your eyes. You cannot say, well, I'm better than so-and-so, or I've done this, or I've done this. None of us has done anything worthy of any value to him. You got to look at yourself in him. Daniel, oh man, I just, take your Bibles, go to Daniel chapter six. Man, I tell you what, that, I was sitting there looking at something, this verse just kind of, this passage just kind of blew out into my mind, and I don't have much mind to blow out of it anymore. But when it did, I'm sitting there going, Lord, you're, you're, you and Christ are one. The world can't see Jesus Christ. They see you. What do we do when trials and tribulation comes into our lives and we get pressured? What do we do? What happens right then and there tells the whole world what we believe. And sometimes the only chance they have is you. <laughs> That's it. And if you crumble and you fall and you just fall apart right in front of them, 
What good is God to them? He doesn't get a hold of them. Them two lost guys, well, they're not lost. Tim and Tim, the Tim show, the Tim and Tim show. They want me to preach tomorrow. I don't really think they know what preaching is. Uh, I'm wondering if I know what preaching is. But I'm sitting there going, Lord, I said, this world needs to see people. They need to see people who believe what they say they believe. But the only way you can do it is to go into God's furnace sometimes. But the furnace isn't for you. The furnace is for somebody else. They're watching you in the furnace. And how you come out of that furnace is what happens to them. Darius is sitting here, chapter 6. We all know Daniel got thrown in the lion's den. It's a little, little stinking uh, titty thing in the nursery where they put, why would you put that in a nursery, lions eating people? I have no idea. It's like Noah's Ark. Eight billion people just die, and they put it in the nursery. That's what they want our kids to see as they're growing up, I guess. Let's, let's, get, let's put them right into this thing right up front. <coughs> Eight million people died. Eight billion people. I've had some people say trillions of people could have been here on the planet and died. Eight people got out of that thing. You're talking about the biggest death massacre on this planet. That was it right there. And we put it in nurseries for our little babies to see. We are some crazy people, man. I tell you, crazy. Crazy ain't even the word for it. Insane. But he says right here, Christ in the church. So Daniel, Daniel comes up and, and Nebuchadnezzar starts back in chapter 1. And Daniel gets captured and brought into Babylon. And the king says, I want some people to stand before me who can stand before the king. The Bible says over in Ephesians that you got to stand and doing all you can do is stand. You know what Daniel was doing? He did everything he could do to stand. He said, I'm not going to eat that pig food that you got. And he didn't say it quite that way. But he said, I'm not going to eat that. I'm going to eat pulse and water. I'm sorry, Daniel. I think I'd be like everybody else and eat the Big Macs. But anyways, he ate pulse and water. Ten days later, him and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego all looked better. They said, you can do whatever you want. Belteshazzar come up, and he knew what his daddy did. Now, his daddy already got the, the statues and everything else. A couple different statues were presented to him, and the big tree was presented to him and going to be cut off, and you're going to go out in the field, and you're going to eat like a, 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 a cow for seven years, and then you're going to come back, and the kingdom's going to be... Belteshazzar, his son, seen that. And he's out there getting God's stuff out of there, drinking wine and praising God's gold, silver, wood, all that other stuff, and, and, and a finger comes out long, writes on the wall. I said this last week. In another message, but it writes on the wall. It's amazing how little your Bible is and how much stuff is sitting there if you stop and read it and how it applies everywhere. Writes on the wall. It says, many, many, tickle, you farson. And then a few minutes later, he goes, what does that say? <laughs> Nobody can tell me. And here comes Daniel. But his wife comes up. You know, guys, you ought to listen to your wife sometimes. Your wife's got the right answer. If you ever, hey, man, there's this guy in the kingdom. He, he, he's, he used to be able to... Give dreams and all kinds of stuff, man. He's a pretty sharp guy. They called him in, and Daniel said, keep your stuff. I don't want it. They said, we'll make you the third kid. I don't want it. <clears throat> he says, but this one, many. He says, uh, uh, you're found, uh, uh, you're found wanted. You're, you're weighted in the balance and found wanted. Wanting. Tico. Uh, that kingdom shall be divided, I think, and you far said. But actually it says Perez. And the Lord says, do you know what Perez is? I said, I have no idea what Perez is. I said, why in the world can't they use the same word in two or three verses? No, he said, he said, study show that self approved on God. Have you ever looked that up? I said, no. He said, why don't you try looking it up? I said, okay, I'll try looking it up. So I look it up. Does anybody in here know what the difference between you, Farson, and Perez is? Can I see a hand if anybody knows? No, I don't feel too bad. Do you know? Man, I feel great, man, because I thought I am a moron, man. I'm sitting there, I've read this thing. How many times have I read this thing? Twice a year? And I'm still going. 
Perez is singular of Eupharsin. So if, I don't care about that, so forget it. Perez is singular of Eupharsin. So when he's talking about Eupharsin, he said, I'm going to divide the kingdoms between the Medes and the Persians. But when he gets down to Perez, he's talking strictly to Belteshazzar, and it's singular at that point. Correct. It's, the King James Bible is the most correct book in the wide world. I'm sitting here scratching my head. That thing is the weirdest book I've ever seen in my life. It is correct everywhere. And you know what the lost person would do? They would see those two words and write there's contradiction. There's no contradiction there. It's accurate. It's as accurate as you can get. I'm not screaming. I'm preaching. I'm excited. I, I told the Lord, I said, Lord, I want to get excited about your book tonight. I really do. I'm sitting here saying, I'm supposed to be you. I'm supposed to be what this world sees, Daniel. Then you get up to chapter 6 and Darius. Darius knew what Belteshazzar did because Darius just took over. Belteshazzar's dead. <laughs> Because of what he did, he got the tickle, man. He got tickled a little bit too much. But he lost everything. And, and here now, Darius and Cyrus has to pop up and take over. But you know there's a prophecy of that too. Over in his, uh, Isaiah, Cyrus has got to be the king to let, let Ezra and Nehemiah go back. So this whole thing is starting to fall right into place. And, and it's going to happen whether you like it or not. It's just going to happen the way God wants it. You might as well get on his side and just say, I'm done. You know what Daniel was? He's on his side. So Darius comes up and says, man, I know Daniel. He just told Belteshazzar, what, what's up, man? And, and it worked. It happened just like that. I'm king now because of Daniel. And Daniel also helped Bel uh, Nebuchadnezzar, told him three things and three or four things. And they always lifted him up. And he says right here, please, Darius, verse six, chapter 6, verse 1, it please, Darius, this is all set up for the, what I'm trying to go into. It, it pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 princes, which should be over the whole kingdom. And over these three presidents, of whom Daniel was first, that the princes might give account unto them and that the king should have no damage. Darius knew that Daniel was special and he's different and he could be trusted, but that's all he knew. He didn't know the God of Daniel. He didn't understand. He knew Daniel was a man of God, but everybody's a God. But he said Daniel's God is a little different than everybody else's God, but he's still not my God. He's Daniel's God. But I respect Daniel's God and I respect everything about Daniel, so I want to make him... I want to make him the number one king, the number one prince of the kingdom, and I want everybody to answer to him. Then this Daniel was preferred above the presidents and princes because an excellent spirit was in him. That's us. Brother, you know, each one of us has an excellent spirit within you. The day I got saved, guess what? I got filled with the Holy Ghost. I am saved on my way to heaven. You can't stop it. There is really nothing in this world that should make me upset or, or steal my joy. So then this Daniel was preferred above the presidents, because an excellent spirit was in him. And the king thought to set him over the whole realm. Man, he said, I can trust Daniel. These, these other guys, 120 of them, man, they were all just out after their own stuff. They'll stab me in the back and heartbeat, just like they did Nebuchadnezzar, man. As soon as, as, soon as he falls one time, man, Daniel said it. He goes, he goes, king, this prophecy about this tree is to you, to those that hate you. It's to them. They hate you. Do you not understand that? I'm like, Lord, they, they hate us. If you go out there and you can't say anything about homosexuality, I can't. Queers are wrong. Sorry if that offended you. You're still wrong. Uh, lesbians are wrong. I was watching a documentary and this, this lady came on and Beth goes, that's a transgender. I'm like, you're just so negative. She was absolutely right. I mean, I was like, ah! I, I turned it off. I couldn't watch the thing no more. I can't even, I mean, the information they put down is right. I just don't need to hear from a transgender because they're wrong. Why? I got a Bible that says they're wrong. I think I'll just be on his side. A transgender, a, a lesbian, a gay person, I don't see how they are gay. They're not gay. They're not, they need psychiatrists to make, well, 
Never mind, man. We'll go through that all night long. <laughs> Brethren, I'm on God's side. You know what this world is? You try to be a football player, a basketball player. You try to be a, a country western singer. I don't care, rock star. And you go against the LGBTQRTPR. They're going to kick you out. They hate anything about God. You know why they want abortion? So they can get money from the fetuses so they can make money. It's all about money. But you're starting to mess with their God, which is money. They don't care about God. They care about their God. Daniel cared about his God. You know what said over there? He goes, for we are all members of his body over in Ephesians and of his flesh and bone of his bone. For this call shall a man leave his father and mother and shall cleave. He's giving you the picture of a marriage to tell you what you're supposed to be like. He goes, marriages are so messed up now that if you pictured it, you're, you're divided. No, you should not, man. Husbands and wives, you should be one. If you're not, you're wrong. You're wrong. Oh, I don't like to hear that. Well, you'll hate me too. Fine, hate me. I don't care. I mean, I'm just, I'm beyond the point of caring anymore. We got to get this thing right with God somehow like Daniel, Job, and Noah did or else we'll never get nowhere. You can't get anywhere unless you do that. You can't just go out and look the way you think you should look. You got to look the way he said you need to look. And sometimes that's going to cost us, just like it does Daniel here in a second. Verse 14, then the king, oh, these guys, then the presidents, verse 4, stinking, filthy world. Then the presidents and the princes sought to find occasion against Daniel. That's what they're going to do to us. They're going to look for every reason in the world to get you, if they can. And they're going to find a way. But they went to Darius, like over in, uh, down, down in here, it says, uh, verse 7, it says, and the presidents of the kingdom... Uh, the governors and the princes and counselors, that's everything that's the Senate and Congress and Supreme Court, the whole bunch. Uh, the captains have consulted together to establish a royal statute and to make a firm decree that whosoever shall ask any petition of any god or man for 30 days, save the king, save of thee, O king, he shall be cast into dim lines. Long story short, the king says, oh, that's great. You know why? Because Darius did not know God. And Darius, since he didn't know God, Daniel was there in his mind. But where was Daniel at in this mix? If he's third of the kingdom, he should be right here bringing that up to him. But they didn't. What did Daniel do? Verse 10. Now, when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went into his house and his windows being opened in his chamber toward Jerusalem. He kneeled upon his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he did aforetime. He's a good wife. He's a good bride. You know what Daniel was? He was a man of God. And Daniel didn't care one thing about what was going on on this planet. But wherever God stuck him, he was going to do the best he could where God stuck him. And that's under Belteshazzar. That's under Nebuchadnezzar, Belteshazzar, now under Darius. He didn't go up and fight. He knew. He knew the thing was signed, but he didn't go fight about it. Brethren, we can't, our job isn't to fight the government. You may think, well, he's talking. No, our job is not to fight the government. Our job isn't to fight lawyers and all this other stuff. That's not my job at all. Never was. It might have been my job until the day I got saved. But the moment I got saved, you know what my job is? Is to figure out who in the world I am. And once I figure out who I am, living that who I am. Of course, you're not. Do you know who you are? Do you have any clue who you are, really? There's things of this world. Why, why in the world would we go out and look at the things of this world like they mean anything if they don't praise God and glorify God? Why would we do that? The only reason we do that is we're not in tune with God. We're not in tune. We're not a Daniel, Noah, Noah or Job. 
Those three men, when you look at Job, Job sit there and, and God dumped on him. He lost his 10 kids. He lost all his wealth. He lost everything. He's in boils and sitting there, and he still never sinned with his mouth. One time, not one time. You say, why would God do that? He's putting him through the crucible. He's putting him through. So why? Because his three friends are watching him. Other people are watching him. Everybody's watching him. How is Job going to come through this thing? Job is like the rest of us. He's just a man. He's being tore up. People are looking at it and say, well, Job did this, and look at Job here. And, and he said this, but he never said, he said, woman, he said, she said, curse God and die. He goes, woman, and he, he slams his wife. He said he never sinned with his lips. And now I'm 3,000 years later, I'm still reading that story about Job. Because of my brother Job, what he did, I'm still reading the story, and it still helps me go on. Because of what Job went through, the crucible that God put him in, he came out shining. I mean, you're talking about a shining piece of work, man. That was Job. Then you got Noah. I don't know about you, man, but to be on a planet and you watch everybody die, now, he didn't get to watch everybody die because the door was shut. But everybody died. I'm sure you could hear the screaming outside. You're talking about the pain. I, I can understand why he got drunk when he got out. I got that. But when he come, God put him through something and the whole world refused to listen. Job had to build an ark in front of all those people for 120 years, re being rejected for 120 years. And, and Noah just kept doing it, kept doing it, kept doing it. And it was all said and done. He did what it is. Then you get to Daniel. Daniel's praying. Then these, these guys, all 120 of them, come up to the king and tell him, say, King, remember that thing you signed? This is where Darius is at. So, oh, yeah, I remember that. He's still not thinking about Daniel. He goes... Daniel, you said anybody, ask any requests of anybody other than you for 30 days, you throw me a line, and you can't change what you just said. You know you can't change what God says? Can't be changed. Thy word is forever, O oh Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. It's settled. It's settled. What you got to do is you got to say, say, Lord, what have I got to do? Well, how are you going to get the attention of this world? How are you going to do it? You're going to do the way, the way God says do it, not the way you want to do it. We can't do it our way. Our way never has worked. It never will work. People think, oh, I'll just, no. To do the same thing over and over again and expect a different result is insanity. It don't work. But you know, if you do the same thing God says, it'll work. Daniel was sitting here in the verse 14 when they said that then the king, when he heard these words, was sore displeased with himself. And he set his heart on Daniel to deliver him. And he labored till the sun, going, going down to the sun, to deliver him. But he couldn't do it. He's just a man. He couldn't do it. All night long, the king is sitting there freaking and everything else, and you never hear Daniel complain because they open up a thing and throw him in the lines in. As a matter of fact, uh, if you read the rest of that thing right here, it says, then, the, then he's been assembled, uh, verse 16, then the king commanded. They brought Daniel, cast him into the lines in. You never hear one word about Daniel saying anything negative. Now the king spake unto Daniel, thy God whom thou servest continually, not me, but you, he will deliver you. And a stone was brought and put over it. The king goes in all night long, he's... Just sitting there waiting and waiting, praying. And he's thinking, oh, man, what do I do? What do I do? Can Daniel's, Can Daniel's God? Can Daniel's God? Can Daniel's God? Can Daniel's God? Can the people around you look at you and say, Mike's God? Can Mike's God get me out of this? Can Mike's God work? Can Mike's God actually do for me what I need done? Can Mike's God show me a way to get out of the mess that I'm in? Can Mike's God do that? Let me ask you a question. When they look at you and you place your name in there, can your God do that? They tossed Daniel in the lion's den. I love this, man. The Lord said, did you just see what you just read there? <laughs> Verse 20, and when Daniel, 620, 
And when he came to the den, I mean, the king was running in the morning. It's wondering he didn't sleep there all night. He is a king, though. He's got a nice bed. Why not worry about his bed? Go, go to his bed. And when he came to the den, he cried with a lamentable voice unto Daniel. And the king spake and said, Daniel! I could hear him, man. Could you hear him? Oh, Daniel! 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 Oh, Daniel! All night I've been starving. My mind has been going in. Has anybody ever been around you like that? Have, have you scared anybody to death in your life? I remember I was on a ship one time. If y'all didn't know I was a sailor. I was on a ship, and I'm walking down through there. And I'm, I'm walking back to the Marine Bird. I'm on the Ponce, and I'm walking back. This is Brother Murphy. <laughs> they always did stuff. He was smoking a cigarette. And I on the ship, I never did. It was so much messed up from the point in the flat end. I never really tried to, to condemn anybody for anything because <laughs> otherwise everybody's going to hell, man. You might as well just burn and sink the ship. Uh, so anyways, you just tolerate a bunch of stuff. So anyways... I'm walking, and there's hatches all along the ship. The ship's like 700 feet long, and there's hatches up and down all levels of the ship all the way up above the waterline. And I'm driving, I'm, I come down, and I go back to the back of the ship under the flight deck, and there's a, there's a birthing back in Marine birthing. I say, hey, man, I'm just going to pop out here. And, and uh, Pat got saved, and, and he, I, as soon as I opened the door, he's got a cigarette in his hand. I thought he was going to swallow that cigarette. <laughs> I said, Pat, how you doing? And I just walk on. Never said a word to him about it. You say, what was that? That was God, man, ate his lunch. I never intended that to happen. But there was something about my presence and that man's presence. And so it happened to a lot of the people, man, where they got that way. And I never intended that to happen. But you get into their place, and you know what it took to do that? God had to run me through some stuff on that ship that nobody I didn't understand why I was going through that stuff in my life I never understood. And all of a sudden, the Lord says, like, he, like Jonathan uh, said here, Jonathan Edwards, if we would weigh ourselves justly, we must weigh ourselves in God's scales that he may make use of, uh, of to, to weigh us in. That he uses, he uses scales to weigh us. And he puts us in those crucibles so not only can he get the dross off of us, but that the world can see us when we go through what we go through. They need to see it. The king comes up. Then Daniel says Look to the king, oh king, live forever. <laughs> My God has sent his angels. And has shut the lion's mouth. Boy, what a testimony. He didn't say, oh, king, I'm okay. Can you get me out of here, man? My back hurts. I've been laying all night on these stupid lions down here. No, he didn't say none of that stuff. He says, my God has sent his angels and has shut the lion's mouth. And they have not hurt me for as much as before him. Him, innocency was found in me. And before thee, oh, king, have I done no hurt. Daniel was good in both places. And Daniel knew it. That's not arrogance. That's not even pride. That's just facts. Daniel said, I did everything for you, king, but I'm not going to put God second for you or anybody. You know what's wrong with a lot of us? When we get thrown into the fiery furnace like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, we'll bow before we get thrown in. Shadrach, Meshach, said, look, Dan. said, oh, king, we're not careful to answer this, but God will deliver us. You might kill us, but God will deliver. That's faith, brother. That's faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please. It's, without, it's impossible to feed him, please him. You know what Daniel's showing right here? It isn't just his faith. He is one with the Lord. He, that, that is the perfect example of what we should be. When he says it's a mystery, this world cannot understand it. Well, I just don't understand, man. You, you should have, I mean, you should have a raise. Everything should be good for you. I mean, you're doing this. As you should, they should pick you and not the other person. They should do this. Do this. That's what the world thinks. 
God don't think that way at all. You know what the Lord does? The Lord puts us through trials and tribulations so we can shine like a light bulb in front of this stinking, filthy world. But he, he walks with us and talks with us and deals with us and shows us. You know why this mystery is revealed to you? So you can begin to understand what you go through in life and who you are. He shows you the mystery. Here's the mystery, this great mystery. But I speak concerning Christ and his church. I am his body. I am his ambassador. I am his representative on this planet. I should take care of everything I'm supposed to do as much as I possibly can do. You know what's wrong with most of us? We get scattered out on a thousand different things, never get nothing done. If I focus right down and into my life and just look at me in the mirror, like he's, Jonathan Edwards just sit here and just look at me, is my life as squeaky clean as it possibly can be? So that when something happens to me, the world is looking at me and they're saying, how does he get through this thing? I like going up to Brother up Tim's, that, that garage, Timmy and Timmy's garage. I can walk in there and preach all day long. Brother, Dr. Uh, Peacock always talked about his dad going down. I can go in there hours and hours, and they'll sit there. They'll pull up cans and let me sit there and preach at them. They never change. <laughs> but they let me preach at them, man. I don't know, maybe one of these days. You know what? They called me as soon as his mother died. They called me and said, would you do the funeral? Why? Because they're looking for God, and they see something in me that the Lord is saying, Mike, it's a mystery to you. They don't get it. They don't get it, but you got it. You know what's wrong with most of us? We don't get it. We are special, brother. And I, I'm not saying that we are, you know, something good's going to happen to you. But you are part of him. And he is part of you to the point where you two couldn't split. That's why you know you're saved forever. There's no possible way. How in the world? It'd be like him ripping his arm off and throwing it away. And taking his finger and then have four fingers. <laughs> and then, well, I want to get rid of Mike. Now he's only got three. I mean, you keep going, man. Pretty soon you ain't going to have no fingers or hands or nothing. No, I am part of him. And he goes, Mike, do you understand that all the stuff, I was telling Tim just before church tonight, between 1982 and 1986, my life was turned upside down. And I never understood why he turned it upside down. And he just continued to turn it upside down. But I thought the Navy was everything. And I tell you, I, did, I still like the Navy. I think the Navy's great. I think if you were in any other branch of the Navy, you ought to join the Navy. Uh, transfer over to the Navy. That's where you need to be, Navy, N-A-B-Y, Navy. However, karma, after, after a while, what the Lord did is started making me place things in my life where they belonged. And then I started looking at the value of all those things that I was placing into my life. And I had to take the Navy and place it and says, what is the value of this actually to God? Well, in the Navy, I should live the best I could. I should be the testimony to Jesus Christ as much as I could while I'm there. But there's going to come a day when he's going to let me go back into the land. And when that day comes, that needs to go off to the wayside. And that's exactly what he had to teach me. Everything that we do in this life is temporal. It has no value, no value at all, temporal. What has value is the guiding hand of God. Trust in the Lord with all thy heart. Lean not unto thy own and in all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. You know what's wrong with most of us? We direct our own paths. And he never can direct our path. He can't do it. We won't let him. You know what Daniel did? He let him throw him into the lion's den. Man, Daniel sits there back there. They drink. Oh, man, I had this dream. And I can't remember what it was, but he throws all the magicians and all the other soothsayers and everything and says, you can't tell me the dream. I'm going to kill all of you, man. <laughs> He's king. Do whatever he wants. He did. Daniel comes and says, well, why is the king so mad? Well, this, this, this. Oh, king, give me before the king. Oh, king, give me a few minutes, man. I'll figure out this thing. I'll tell you exactly what you want to hear. That's not arrogance. 
Daniel knew he had a relationship with God. And he knew that if he got and prayed, the Lord would show him. And because it's happened to him before. So Daniel gets in praise. He gets the answer. Takes it to the king. King says, okay, Daniel, you're cool, man. We're done. And he saves everybody's life. You know why everybody hated him? You would think that everybody would be converted right there. They still hated him because of what he just did. He made them all look bad. You know, in the process of you doing stuff, you're going to still make people look bad. But Darius got it. Darius finally understood that Daniel's God was the God. You know what he says here at the end? I make a decree, verse 26, I make a decree that every, that in every dominion of my kingdom, men tremble and fear before the God of Daniel. <laughs> I'm telling you, brother, you know what this world needs to see? They need to see the Lord Jesus of Mike. And you can take Mike out and put your name in. They need to see the Lord Jesus of you. Because if he can't get you through, why would he get, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, they get thrown into the fiery furnace. You never hear the Lord tell them to leave. Why would they leave anyways? Why would I listen to you, king? You just threw me in the fiery furnace. Why would I care about you? I don't care about you. I'm in here with the Lord Jesus Christ. I mean, it's like air conditioning in here. This is cool, man. I don't ever have to worry about nothing. And the Lord says, yeah, hey, guys, you got to obey the king. You know what the king did when he seen that? He said, here's three guys. They wouldn't bend, they wouldn't bow, and they wouldn't do something else. Bend, bow, bend, bow. But anyways, there's another third one. I'll think of it in a minute. It'll pop up, and I'll tell you what it is. But those three guys, man, they did exactly what the Lord told them to do. And when it was all said and done, they still got back out and did what the king said to do. You know what they had? They had a testimony. And that king knew that their God was a God that's able to deliver has your God ever been able to deliver? You know why I think he let me fix stuff? It's so that the people could see that, hey, this kid believes in that God, and that God, this kid can fix anything. His God must be God. And people start getting saved so much that 25 years later, they're still getting saved on that ship. You say, why is that? It's God. Then you get back to this. The church is considered, since it's a great mystery, Daniel got a hold of that mystery. David he said, bring me the ephod. David got a hold of that mystery. He knew that now the Old Testament, I want to clarify this thing, in the Old Testament, they weren't saved like you and I are. As a matter of fact, they weren't saved at all. In the Old Testament, they had to live their lives until the day they died, doing exactly what the Lord told them to do. And if they died in the right state, they went to Abraham's bosom. If they died in the negative state, I think like Absalom, you went right to a place called hell, Period. You could, it could come on you and go off of you. In the New Testament, when I trust Jesus Christ, he comes in me, I'm done. I am him. I'm the body of Christ. This is a New Testament doctrine. It is Christ and the church. The church is considered to be Christ's body. Do you really realize that you're Christ's body? You are Christ, not just his representative. You are Jesus Christ walking this planet. We ought to be a little bit different if we are that way. We see this mystery, but the world don't see it. They'll say, well, you got to do this. You got to know no, I don't. Uh, I'll do whatever you say do to a point, and when you cross that line, I now have to make a decision. But the only way you'll ever know that is to know where that line is. I listened to the Supreme Court today. They're trying to figure out where the line of, uh, of life is in a baby so that we can protect it right there. Science is saying this, and, and I, think, I think life occurs Right when that umbilical cord attaches itself to the woman's womb and it starts drawing air off of the mom and, and right there that meets the requirements of Adam. That he breathed the breath of life and he became a living soul. I think right there is where that thing's at. But that's being the Bible. Congress is sitting there. The Supreme Court is sitting there. Everybody's trying to figure this thing out. And what they're doing is they're leaving God out. 
I would err, err to the side. First of all, don't ever crawl in bed with somebody unless you're married. And then when you do, believe me, you're probably going to get pregnant. Or husbands, you're going to get them pregnant. Make sure you're married. Why? So that you don't cause that problem. But you can't get people to say that. They don't want to say it. Well, you know what? So we're a free society. Well, how's that working for us? It's not working for us at all. The church is considered, Ephesians 5.30, for we are members of his body. Do you realize that you're a member of his body? The lost world don't understand that. That's why it's a mystery. It's revealed to us. Us. We got it, man. That ought to excite your soul, man. I mean, every day when I wake up, I'm like, Lord, I am just a waste. He goes, yeah, you're a waste. <laughs> but you're still me. You're mine. I'm yours. You're his. You're mine. I don't understand that. I don't know why he'd do it. Why would he do that and then show you that he did it and then know? I still believe before the foundations of the world, he knew how the end was going to be because he says he knew the end from the beginning. So if he knows the end from the beginning, I'm not Calvinist at all, and I don't even understand what I'm getting ready to say. Oh, I mean, if he knows the end from the beginning, it only stands the reason that he understands everything in there and all the different possibilities that you could possibly have in your life or I could have in my life and all the decisions I was going to make and knew what the end of it was. The end is when I die and I'm out of here. He knows what my end is. He knows the day I'm going to die. However that day, people say, well, you can pick up a gun and blow your brains out. He would know that. That's how you're going to die. Don't do that, by the way. If you ever get that urge, just don't get a gun, man. Give, give your guns to somebody else. Don't do it. But the church is considered his body. For we are members of his body. Only saved people are in the church. Brother, the world is not in this thing. We are. If you're in this room tonight and you're saved and you know you're saved, you're the body of Jesus Christ. You are the body. The people you work with are not necessarily the body of Jesus Christ. And because somebody says, I'm a Christian, doesn't make them a Christian. You don't make them a Christian when you get thrown into the lion's den and you're sitting down there. I bet you Daniel was down and praying. He's probably, I mean, just kneeling down on the line here. And the lion just sitting there laying over on his side. Whenever the lion got, you know, Charlie horses all over the place because Daniel laying on him, he probably moved out and another one came in and took his place. You say, what was that? That was Daniel. He did the same thing over and over again. It didn't matter the circumstances. He just did what he was supposed to do. And, that's get, and if God's going to take care of me, he's going to take, you know that's the hardest thing for us to learn? Is to let go of this world and let go of my will and accept his. Lord, what is thy will? I'm just, at 64, I'm just getting a hold of that thing, man. I'm letting go of everything. I don't want nothing no more. I don't really, I'm tired of the whole, the whole thing. I don't want nothing. I don't want nothing anybody has. I don't, wanna, I don't even want to give you what I got because I got stuff to mess with to get rid of it. I just want to, I just, I want a little teeny weeny, itsy bitsy teeny weeny house about this big that me and Beth can live in. One of them tiny houses, maybe on wheels, that I can move anywhere I want. And I'm really, I don't even, I'm just, I don't want nothing. Because the more stuff you have, the more it takes you away from God. Now, if you can handle all that stuff, fine, go for it. I can't. I just don't, I'm, it just takes up too much of my time. I don't want it. The only saved people are in the church. Acts 2.41, everybody says, be careful with Acts. It is true. You got to be careful. The church is a new thing starting. Nobody knows what this thing is yet. Peter, James, John, they don't know. They're, they're trying to figure this thing out. That Christ just died on the cross. He just went back up to heaven. Now this thing has started, and they're trying to figure the thing out. It says in 2.41, it says, then they that gladly received his word were baptized. That's not what we do, but that's what they did here. The same day were they're added unto, unto them about 3,000 souls. <laughs> the church starts growing and morphing as time goes on. 
time you get down to where Paul is in Acts chapter 9, uh, 8, 9, 10, 11, and on down through there, the thing solidifies, and Paul starts bringing the things out. The Lord takes him off to the backside somewhere and says, Paul, these are the things that, are, that you guys are, are particular to a Christian. Now, brother, you could be saved and not a Christian. A Christian and a saved person is still part of the body of Christ. Still body. But a Christian is, they were first called Christians at Antioch. Why? They acted like little Jesuses. They act like little Christs. And when the pressure came on and the cross was brought before them, they took it. And they did what they could. I'm so sick of people saying, Jesus cried, cried, go God, don't know. You don't miss. He was six parts. You were three. He's six. Six. He had a body, soul, and a spirit. He was the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost in one. He's all God. He's all man. All God, all man. None of us are like that. He had everything in him on both sides. So when he says something, you got to watch what. Is he saying it as a man? Is he saying it as God? Well, he's sitting there looking at the thief on the cross. He said, today thou shalt be the man. can't say that. That's God. He said, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Today thou shalt be with the imperative. That's God. He said, Father, if you can, that's man. He knew who he was talking to, but that's man. you got to watch what you're reading there when you read that thing. He said, Mike, you're part of the body. And guess what? Some of the trials you go through are going to be like what Daniel, Job, and Noah went through. What David went through. David come out of, oh, man. Have you ever read, just read your Bible, man? Just read the thing. Read it. <laughs> crazy book. Crazy, insane book. David gets kicked out of Jerusalem. Absalom comes in. And as he's leaving, as he's leaving the city, uh, he says this. Let's see if I can find it real quick. Oh, man, I hope I can. He was sitting there talking about, oh, here it is. Absalom, Absalom, his son, kills, kills one of his other sons, and they, they banish him. And in this case, David's a picture of God, and, or the Lord, and, and Absalom's a picture of a lost person. But down in 1414, it says this. 1414, four sevens. How about that? Uh, For we, need, we must needs die. An old lady, man. Joe, Joe, Joab sends this old lady in there to the king and comes up and says, Oh, king, how about this? And how about this? And I had two sons and one killed one. And, 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 and oh, king, what do I do? They only want to kill the one and take away the heir and all this other stuff. And, and the king says, oh, I won't happen to you. And, and Joab puts the words in her mouth and then she goes, But you banished Absalom and never made a way for him to come back. And it says, For we must needs die, verse 14. And as, and as, and are as waters spilled on the ground, which cannot be gathered again. That's, that's us in a condition of lost. Neither doth God respect any person. And that's a fact. Yet doth he devise a means that the banished be not expelled from him. And I'm like, man, Lord, I said, man, from the back porch of Louisville, Kentucky, 1980, you made a way for me to get back. His name is Jesus Christ, my Lord and Savior. And I didn't understand all the stuff that happened to me that night when I got saved. I just know I got saved. And it sure just changed my life. I'm sure glad that changed my life. And as I've been going for 42 years, what I've realized is what he's done for me. And he says, Mike, you are not like everybody else. And most of y'all might say, you're right, man. You are not like everybody else. You know what I'm like? I'm supposed to be like him. Am I still flesh? Of course I am. Am I still messed up? Of course I am. But I'm supposed to strive. You know what? That doesn't give anybody else an excuse to do wrong. You have no excuse. You say, oh, Mike doesn't. No, 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 no. Sorry, that don't fly. That don't fly. Because you're not going to be able to stand before God and say, but Mike did it. Why can't I? Because maybe I'm just weak in that area and you shouldn't be. 
You know, when we start looking at each other sometimes, we need to watch what we think in our minds because we're not too hot either. We're not, brethren, we're not. The only one that is, is above board is Jesus Christ. And I'm supposed to be like him. And I pick up this book and I say, he says, this is a mystery. You know what, those two, young, those two men up there, I say young men, they're both younger than me. They both say they're saved. If you look at their lives, you would not think they are. They have both given me a testimony of being saved. You would say, well, they don't. That's true, but let me run you through what they went. Have you ever thanked God for where you're at tonight? You're sitting in a church on Wednesday night where most people don't. Have you ever thanked God that you're still sitting in a church? I thank God, man, that he still got me going down the road somewhere where I can still talk about him and think about him. And, and I go into a store and hear a song on the radio, and I'm thinking, Lord, I know those songs just as good as I know my, my hymns. But I'm thinking about those songs and say, but it took all that to get me to where I'm at today. And when this world looks at me, they should see a reflection of you. And if they can't see you, then there's something wrong with what I'm doing. You know what Daniel did? He got thrown in the lines. I'll show up right here. He got thrown in the lines, Dan. And all night you didn't have, oh, God, give me out of the lines, Dan. If it, if it was that way, it's not recorded. You know what Job did? Job just said, what did I do, man? I did this, I did this. I messed up, I messed up, I messed up, I messed up. You know what Noah did? He built an ark. And did they always understand everything? No, but they knew what they were. They were testing. You know, after 120 years, God said, Noah, get in the ark. Now I'm going to show you why I had you build the ark. Sometimes in our lives, we don't necessarily, the immediate, the devil wants us to take the immediate. Never take the immediate on the, uh, the, Altar of the permanent. Never, ever, ever take the immediate. The immediate is always what somebody else has. I don't want what somebody else has. I want what God wants me to have. When I start looking at others and think I should have this because they, then what, what you did is you just moved out of God's realm. I keep telling everybody, I said, I'm somewhere between the beggar that was laying at the rich man's gate full of sores and dogs licking his wound and probably the beggar that was right next to the beggar at the rich man's gate. I'm probably one of those two. I'd be closer to the beggar at the rich man's gate. That may be all the Lord ever wants me to be. I should be happy with that. My kids can be whatever they want to be. They are not to be what I'm supposed to be, what I am. I am not to make them what I think they should be. They are what God made them to be. I would like to see everyone be greater preachers and teachers than I was. I'd like to, you know what I'd like to see? In 40 years that they're still in church serving God somewhere. If nothing more than just church members helping the church grow and taking care of people around. I don't really care as long as they still love Jesus Christ at the end of their lives. I'm perfectly happy with that. I had to learn some things in life. You know what I know? is My life is supposed to be a reflection of Jesus Christ. Brethren, I, I didn't get anything. Only say people are in the church. I need to shut up. He uses the marriage of a man and woman to illustrate the union between Christ and the church. So you can understand what it should be. Back then there was morals and there was character. And when somebody, when Joseph married Mary, he knew that, hey, this woman is with child. And that means that she committed adultery. But man, the angel came to me the other night and said, take her. And he goes, but Lord, the world is going to think. He said, I don't care what the world thinks. I want you to take Mary because she's carrying something inside of her that's of God. You don't have to understand it. I'm telling you that. You know what Joseph did? He said, I'll do it. And he took her and, and cared for her and made sure she had that child. 
and he took care of that child and did everything he could to make sure. And then when it got to the point where the Joseph was no longer needed, he went off the way. So I didn't say he died. He just was no longer needed. You know what Joseph did? He had character. Back then, God could use, Paul could use the marriage. They actually thought a marriage was a marriage, that it was something of God back then. You know what we think today? It's just a piece of paper. I go down to the, it's not for us. Brethren, it's not. It should never be that. If I'm going to get married, then I want to make sure my life is where it needs to be so I don't mess up somebody else. You know what's wrong with that? I, I waited nine years before I met Beth. You know why? Because I was messed up. I wouldn't even, they wouldn't even let me in church for the first four years. The Lord wouldn't let me in church because there were some things I had to catch up on. And once I got to that point, then he says, now you can go into grade school. Let's get you into a little Bible-believing church over here somewhere. You know what our problem is? Is we think we're, we're nothing, man. We're nothing. We don't even know what a Christian. He wants you to live like Christ. I had preachers all that whole nine years tell me, oh, Mike, you're this. Oh, Mike, you're that. I said, no, I still didn't have no peace in my heart about God. I'm like, Lord, I need peace from you. I need peace from you. 1987, he gave me that peace. 1989, I met Beth. 1990, we got married, I think. 89, we got at the end of the 89. And I'm sitting there going, Lord, I said, nine years. He goes, yeah, nine years. You need nine years to straighten your life out. Most of us don't want to give him nine years. I tell everybody, give, give him six years. You know, everything in your life, every, every facet of your life is under the microscope. And you can't have, Daniel obeyed the king and he obeyed God. And when it got to the place where he said, you can no longer pray to your God, that's where the line was drawn. Everything else he obeyed. He obeyed the laws of the land. He did everything that was supposed to be done. But right there, I can't. You just reached a place where I cannot do what you just asked me to do. It cannot be done. You know what Daniel became? He became the God that Nebuchadnezzar needed to see. He became the God that Belteshazzar needed to see. He became the God that Darius needed to see. Why? Because Darius down the road is getting ready with Cyrus to let the Jews go back into the land and build the temple and build the walls and put Jerusalem back where it belonged. So the Lord could come and be born in a place called Jerusalem in a manger. Bethlehem. Brother, I'm telling you what, we're getting ready to come up on this Christmas thing, and everybody thinks about the gifts, Black Friday, and this and that and the other. It, the whole thing is insane. You know what it's all about? It's about Jesus. If it was about anything, it'd be about Jesus Christ and about what he did for the world. But the world don't want to see it. But you know what we need to be? We need to be like the little track we got of the greatest story ever told. They, our faith needs to be the greatest story ever told. Let me ask you a question. If the mystery was given to us and we were a privileged group of people to get that mystery, is our face reflecting Jesus Christ? Father, thank you for your blessings tonight. Lord, I pray that as we go out here, Lord, the season's getting ready to start. It's already started. And Lord, uh, it's supposed to be about you, Christmas. <clears throat> but Lord, uh, help us to reflect that in the, the people's lives. Lord, when we go through trials and tribulations, we know that you bring them upon us for a reason and you allow it to happen in our lives. But like all the other men, if I go through the Bible, Ruth, uh, uh, Job, Noah, Daniel, David, uh, it doesn't matter who you go through, Peter, James, John, I just, all of them, Lord, every single one of them have things in their life. Stephen, uh, Lord, Philip, every single one of them, Lord, Paul, uh, Lord, what we see is we see that you put them in a crucible, Lord, to make them shine. And Lord, you made them to shine so your glory could come through. And, and as virtue went through you to the woman that had an issue of blood, Lord, uh, you want your virtue to go through us to this world. Lord, help us when we get into those places, Lord, to reflect on you. And Lord, just trust you as Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego all trusted you to get them through the trials they went through in their day. 
Lord, that we'll get through our trials in our day. And Lord, that we'll be, as this mystery here is, Lord, we'll be Christ in the church. We will be you in the body down here now. Thank you again for tonight. Bless as we go our separate ways and bless the prayer service. Father, uh, we'll praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.